Hello and welcome back to Vagabond Actors, where three of the most wonderful acting teachers in Europe discuss all things acting related. And today we are finishing up our discussion of how to break down a text. We are in part three of three breaking down David Alburn's play Proof, and we're looking at scene four of Proof. If you haven't listened to the first two episodes, I recommend that you go and do that. I'll provide links in the show notes. And also, if you want to follow along with the text, and I recommend that, we'll have a link to a PDF of the text that you can download, just the scene that we're going to be looking at. But first, I thought we could check in with our fellow hosts on this podcast. Let's talk to to Andrea Helene. Hello, Andrea. How are you? Hi, Brian. Let's talk to me. Let's talk to you. And let's talk to Gary Condis from London. Hi, Gary. <laughs> Hello, Brian. Hello, Andrea. How are you both doing? Hi, good. good. So what have you got in store for us tonight? Well, I thought we would start by uh, looking at some of the stuff that we've been up to this week. And then we'll get into uh, the text analysis part of this. So, Gary, what have you been up to this week? Yeah, it's really interesting this week because I've drawn on something that we've discussed in a previous episode and gathered our comments and our discussions and had to put it into practice, really. And uh, what I've been doing is I've been coaching someone on a British soap opera. Mm. Mm. So it was a great opportunity to put into practice what we discussed in a previous episode about working with scripts that are heavy on exposition or surface mm. description or don't allow a lot for a subtext or a submerged feeling. And um, and I found, you know, because we, we talked about leaning off the words and not leaning on the words helps mm. a lot, but not just doing that in and of itself. You need something to allow, you, allow yourself to do that. And it was really embodying what the character was getting the other character to do and let the words just sit on that because the words were so, so descriptive and hyperbolic in a lot of ways that the tendency to get drawn in and do line readings and play the meanings of the words was, was so, so like... Um, so tempting, right? So tempting, yeah, that we went against that, obviously, and which is another thing we talked about to do. We found out what he actually wanted in the scene, and it's like, well, personalise that and just... Let the words sit on top of that. Let that drive you through and your responses and reactions. Forget the words. Let the words be like sounds on top of that. And mm-hmm. if we found that it really did just bring it down and made it more real. So mm-hmm. was it for an audition for a soap opera or for actual going to shoot the soap opera? Yeah, going to shoot it. He's on. He's actually got a recurring role. Uh, he's got one of the main okay. roles in a British soap opera, yeah. So... Uh, so that was interesting because it really was about what we talked about. And for those mm-hmm. of you who haven't picked up on that episode, can you remember what episode that was where we talked about scripts or s- scripts that I were? I think it was dealing with uh, bad scripts. Dealing with it was bad a question scripts. that. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's right. Uh, Madalena brought Madeline- yeah yeah so yeah for a a more in-depth look and expose of that go and go and check out that episode but um yeah yeah, that's what i've been up to dealing with british soap opera scripts Mm. fun 
And I think also in the episode on objectives, which I've referred to a number of um, actors whom I know, uh, I think we also really spoke, hopefully with some really some practical advice on how to, you know, understand the doings and exactly what you're describing and, and, and be specific about that. So I think that's also helpful if you want to hear more about what Gary's describing. I think that episode is also definitely worth a listen if you have not listened already. Absolutely. So what have you been up to, Brian? What have I been up to? Well, I have had my first experience doing a self-tape audition where I set up my iPad with the text of the audition. It was like a, it's basically a minute and a half monologue, Mm -hmm. basically a sales pitch for a commercial, for a medical device. And I just typed the text into my iPad and I set the scroll feature and I put the iPad next to the camera and just read that sucker and just did my best. And I was like, I am not going to memorize all of this gobbledygook. And so I had that first experience and I think maybe I'll get used to it. And maybe I'll feel more comfortable doing it if I did it more. But I think that really for me, memorizing the text, being able to work through what I want and and hopefully the text will be less of a sales pitch and more narrative. Mm-hmm. But getting away from just reading the text and really connecting with the other person is, I think, much more comfortable to do. But I wasn't going to memorize three pages of medical gobbledygook for a commercial audition. Mm-hmm. I just you know, just wasn't worth it to me. So I read it. Yeah, they really do draw on you as an actor. I remember when I used to do corporates, I did a series of them. Mm. I was signed up for um, Switzerland, a bank in Switzerland. And, you know, in America, you call them industrials, right? Mm -hmm. video. Um, Yeah, man, the the jargon that you had to learn. It's just like, how do I relate to this, you know? Yeah, and I think that a lot of text, because it happens more often actually for me in voiceover, where a lot of the texts are written to be read silently, like read in your head. They're not written to be spoken. And Mm. people, even if they are really good writers, the sentences are just unwieldy and full of jargon. And, and it would be really great if those people tried to say those scripts out loud before (laughs) handing them over to an actor who's going to have to and they're always like oh just be more casual with it don't be so salesy and you're like yeah well say it like you're saying it to a friend and you're like i I would never speak to a friend like this exactly yeah i I want to keep my friends (laughs) i do not speak to my friends like i'm reading the brochure exactly Uh, Uh, but i shouldn't disparage it because that it's it is part of what pays the bills but um but it doesn't mean it has to be uh, pleasant. You're right. And exactly. it's very challenging. It's very challenging to to not fall into the rhythms that are inherent in the language and to find a new and fresh yeah. way to do it. It's very challenging. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Um, so that's that was one of my experiences this week. How about you, Andrea? <laughs> what have you been up to? Uh, teaching and formulating some new ideas for classes and reaching out to my network about organizing some uh, workshops here in the spring and summer. Mm. And also connecting people and ideas uh, who I think are like minds. I'm, I tend to be rather good at that. And you two are as well. And uh, it gives me a lot of 
I don't know, it gives me a lot of joy to do that. And so I just was off on a conversation with a friend of mine from our Playhouse West days, Brian, mm-hmm. who's hoping to bring some production to France and Spain next year. So we were discussing that and, uh, and those, those things excite me a lot. So I'm hoping to carve out some more time to, you know, deepening my connections here with people in our world um, who are coming from all over and who have shared goals for expansion the kind of production that can take place here and the quality of the production. So, so some really interesting ideas being batted around and and that's a lot of fun for me. That's cool. And I know that I just, uh, connected you up with someone that I know from Prague who is planning, although these days plans are, you know, we, we shouldn't put too much stock in the future, but she's, it's Nancy Bishop and she's planning on being at the Mallorca Film Festival and doing a workshop there. And so I think That's that right. if our listeners who are in Spain, I think it, Nancy really knows her stuff and she really is good at doing this workshop and she's done it all over Europe. And I think that if you're at the Mallorca Film Festival, you should definitely sign up and spend some time getting to know her and, and her method. It's, it's really great. Yes. Thank you for connecting us. I'm really excited to look forward to it. And hopefully it'll be in person here in Mallorca in October when the Evolution Mallorca Film Festival happens. Mm. Yeah. Awesome. Great. Cool. And on that note, let's get to the... the let's, let's get to that. On, let's just leave, yeah. let's call it that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> This episode of the Vagabond Actors Podcast is brought to you by our friends at We Audition. Now look, we all know that auditioning in a pandemic sucks. You can't find the right partner, and if you do find the right partner, how are you going to connect with them in real time and have the read be seamless? Well, We Audition can help with that. They make it easy to find a partner and they take care of all of the technical stuff so that you can focus on what really matters, your audition and being awesome. Not only does We Audition allow you to find partners that can help you really kick ass, you can be a partner that helps other people really kick ass and get paid for it. There's other really great benefits to being a We Audition member You can have one-on-ones with top casting directors, you can get career advice from industry professionals, and a lot more. Right now, We Audition is offering a discount on membership to Vagabond Actors listeners when you sign up with the promo code VAGABOND25. So just go to weaudition.com, click on sign up, then click on the link where it says promo code. Put VAGABOND25 in the box and you'll get 25% off your membership. Now, back to the show. Okay, so then here we are at the middle of page 38, and Claire has just said, I know I let you down. I feel awful about it. Now I'm trying to help. So where are we? What's happening here? Catherine, you want to help now? Claire, yes. Catherine, dad is dead. Claire, I know. Catherine, he's dead. Now that he's dead, you fly in for the weekend and decide you want to help. Capitalized, you're late. Where have you been? So this is a very important section. What are your thoughts? I think that what we learn in this little Catherine speech, well, there's the repetition of dad is dead, he's dead, right? Mm -hmm. Now that he's dead. Anytime you have repetition Mm -hmm. in a speech, as uh, the word gets repeated, there's added emphasis. It doesn't have to be vocal emphasis or something like that, but the the repetition makes the, the thing that is repeated more important. Right. 
or have more meaning. And so there's that, and it's short sentences. Mm -hmm. It is more emotional Mm -hmm. in that sense. Mm -hmm. And we also learn that there's this sense that Claire hasn't really been there, Mm -hmm. that now he's dead, you're going to fly in. So she's been away and uh, Catherine's been dealing with it. Now that he's gone, you're going to come in and help. Mm-hmm. Even the language choice that you decide you want to help is very specific to me, you know, in terms yeah. of Catherine's perspective about uh, about Claire's position. And as you say, her her absence, you're late, really launching this point of view for Catherine. Where have you been? Claire, then I, and then Dash, uh, mm-hmm. assuming we're, she, where she's getting cut off here by Catherine. Where were you five years ago? You weren't helping then. Claire, I was working. Catherine, I was right. here, capitalized. I lived with him alone. So these are clearly, this is five years of point of view and perspective and emotion uh, that's all being pinched out right here. Absolutely. And and if you have any doubts about what Catherine's point of view of her sister is, at least Mm -hmm. what she's been harboring towards her, it's there in those three capitalized phrases. You're late. I was here. I lived with him alone. It's like, you're too late. You've left me alone for all these years, mm-hmm. five years ago. Mm-hmm. And I'm, yeah. I'm always, you know, asking my students to be forensic with the script. This is spelt out, but yes. it's a good opportunity to to remind ourselves that there is information there. Um, it's all there. You don't have to make up a whole biography um, right. when, yeah. when it's there and waste your time. I mean, all the biography <laughs> you need is written into the text, and that's where you need to put your attention. That's right. And then, you know, reflecting, if you're, if you're playing these roles, really reflecting back on what's come before in this play um, and how they dance around each other and how they've not been talking about this through all of these other scenes, right? They've been managing these other social situations with this underneath. And it certainly deepens and, and can make much more specific how you're going to go after the other scenes. And even if you only have this scene, mm-hmm. that dynamic is played out even when you look back at yeah, the, um, the beginning. 36. It makes yeah. it makes their interaction and Catherine's happiness that we were talking about when we were looking at the beginning of the scene, it mm-hmm. it puts that into relief. Absolutely. Yeah. It it reflects on on that. And yes, there's a moment of happiness, but also maybe there's that kind of Tension, you know, there it's the happiness in relief of the wariness, uh, W A R Y, right? Wary mm-hmm. of of Claire's intentions. That's right. Possibly, right. On a very technical note, with this I dash of Claire's, in case it's not obvious to everyone reading it, you probably would treat Catherine's two lines that sandwich the I dash as one mm-hmm. uh, as one line. Mm-hmm. If you're if you're reading it, and Claire yeah. just has to just try and get her, in there. her word in, yeah, just try and get in there for something, right? And then once Claire says, "I was working," then Catherine responds to what she actually says. That's pretty clear from the text, but I just wanted to point that out for anyone yes. who has any doubt about that. 
Well, it's a little yeah, trap I, I, sometimes, I, isn't it? Right. The, those little, those little moments. And then that waiting game. No, if you, you, you have to know what it is you're intending to say in that moment, Claire, the actress playing Claire mm-hmm. has to know what she's actually trying to say with the first eye. And then unless Catherine right. cuts you off, you go for it is my perspective. Right. Exactly. Yeah, that, exactly. Yeah. And, and if, you, if you're thinking about, you know, playing it, is, if you are playing Catherine, treat those two paragraphs in between the I dash from Claire as mm-hmm. one long thing. And I'm, I, yeah. I would go, you actress playing Claire, you get in if you can, but I'm going to be, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm treating this as a monologue. You try and get in there because right, exactly. you don't want to help her, you know. But right. it also helps to think about that because that's one, th- that's one thought. Mm-hmm. You're late. Where have you been? Where were you five years ago? You weren't helping then. It's one, right. it's one block of, of thought and of, and of resentment. And if you, in the actor's temple, I loved that, that phrase where you make statements and ask questions. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so maybe you would want to say, where have you been and really ask, but I don't, really feel like she's waiting for a response. Oh, no. You know? It's rhetorical, isn't it? it yeah. Yes. You know, she In that well, case, it's it's probably rhetorical. Yeah. I yeah. mean, she could well have, could be saying, you know, you weren't here, you haven't been here for five years. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. So exactly. our next section is interesting because Claire Claire's pushing back more. You know, I was here, I lived with him alone, and Claire says, I was working 14-hour days. I paid every bill here. I paid off the mortgage on this three-bedroom house while I was living in a studio in Brooklyn. She's pushing. She's yeah. fighting back. This is how she's been feeling about this scenario, right? I am paying for this thing to stay alive, for this house to stand, and for my father and for my sister. Well, right. I lived in a studio. There's a little bit of a, you know... I don't want to say martyr feeling there, but there is that feeling of I worked really hard and sacrificed some things to keep this house going. That's right. It's every producer, uh, it's every (laughs) actor who says, why aren't, why aren't you doing more? And every producer saying, do you know how much work I actually do for this production? (laughs) Right. You, you will never complain Again, if you're an, if you've ever produced your own stuff and had actors piss and moan at you about why things aren't happening, and you're like, you, you just wait until things really aren't happening. I, Claire is saying, you know, it goes back to her saying, "It's my house too." Yeah. Hey, right? Brian, you just did something she interesting. Right, to be there. right, you just did something interesting um, in in our work at Playhouse West. We call this an as if what you've just suggested which is to Mm -hmm. take a look at a scenario in a scene, whether it be a section or the overall drive of a scene, and to come up with an as-if. It's as-if. It's different from the magic if of Stanislavski's work, but it's the, it's, let's look at this. It's as if this thing happened. And in a way to understand it in a new way or to, um, to find a particular way of going about acting the thing that may be a consideration yeah. of sort of a parallel circumstance brings it to life for you in a, in a specific or new kind of way. So that was something that you just did right. there naturally. It's as if 
right? I'm a producer and the actress says, right? So whatever whatever works for you out of your imagination to find a situation like this, we call an as if, and it can be very, very helpful in generating specific behavior within a scene. So well done there, Brian. we're well thank you very much um we're looking at some scenes in my class at the moment and Mm -hmm. what we talk about quite a bit is that you have to find the personal meaning for yourself as the actor in the words that you're saying Mm -hmm. and sometimes that will come through just an innate understanding of the situation or the plot or what's happening there. But there's a lot of times where what the author wrote for you to say doesn't have any inherent meaning for you. Mm -hmm. And so if you find yourself in that kind of situation where there isn't an inherent meaning in in the words that you're saying or the situation that you might find yourself in when you're living out the scene, then I I think it's imperative for you to find some kind of parallel. Right. Uh, hopefully with as much at stake as the author wrote for the two characters. Because mm-hmm. I, to be honest, you know, it is as if the producer, you know, is telling the actor, well, don't you know all the stuff that I've done? But I think that in this case, for these two characters, obviously it's much more personal than that, mm-hmm. than that as if. I, I mm-hmm. wouldn't probably use that as if because it's it's a lot. The reason it was... Not to explain a joke, it kind of kills it, but the, the reason no, it was funny is because it was more trite. It was more more of a trifle than um than than what you might do. But yeah, you have to find some way of connecting personally with what you're saying. Right. Mm-hmm. You gotta make it mm-hmm. meaningful. Everything's got yeah, to be exactly. to you. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and you know, those that's so, a great little tool to 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 bridge that if you need it. Exactly. Yes. I tell you what I find interesting here is it really suggests that they really haven't had much form of communication with each other. Yes. If they're having to inform each other about all of this stuff now, there is a lot mm-hmm. of stuff that is coming out about their past mm-hmm. that is implicit. It suggests to me, well, if they're having it out now, then they haven't had it out before. That's yeah. right. So it just shows you how much they've been carrying and mm-hmm. how separate they have been and you pick that up anyway there are there are very clear signs of that throughout the play and uh, it's it's mm-hmm. fairly obvious however the depth of that and the severity of that i think is really outlined here if they're having yes. to do it here now at such a peak moment then mm-hmm. it's like whoa these two yeah. sisters don't have a relationship at all that's right yeah that's what it makes it heartbreaking, though, too, isn't it? It's a great yeah. choice, yeah. and it's in the text. You know, as we said, you know, read from the text, uh, really see what you're given, and in well-written pieces, this is this is the kind of information that's going to be consistent, isn't it, in the relationship and in the ways in which it yeah. play, that that plays out. You're you're absolutely right. It's um, it's very it's very poignant. Yeah, and I was going to say it's a great choice by the by the writer mm-hmm. because it makes it more meaningful to have this level of bare bones, heart to heart talk at the peak of their conflict Mm -hmm. makes it more meaningful. If they've talked it out, then it's solved. There's no, there's not much drama in that. Yeah. (laughs) It's good to lean into it as an actor. You know, you want to, Mm. you want to lean into that kind of thing because that's what makes the drama. Right. And it loops back to what you were saying about what's been going on underneath. Again, 
this flags up how much has been going on bubbling up underneath. So I don't mm-hmm. think there is a, even though the beginning of this scene seems to start harmlessly enough, I think there is no mm-hmm. interaction between these two sisters without any tension. And, yes. you know, that is a, I mean, this is a volcano and it's coming. Mm-hmm. It's so, so that means, whoa, what has been, where is that, what has ha- been happening to that lava underneath mm-hmm. that top of, of mm-hmm. the volcano, which is about to kind of blow. So it, yes. it, it really does drag out the severity. It is, you know, to quote Spinal Tap, the movie, let's turn it up to 11. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. So Catherine says, you had your life. You got to finish school. And we know enough about Catherine and her own brilliance. This this is a, a thorn. This is a big thorn. Claire, you could have stayed in school! Exclamation point. Because Claire's lines have not been written with many exclamation points. It doesn't mean that mm-hmm. she doesn't feel very, very strongly about what's been happening here as we've been discussing. But interesting that now she gets an exclamation point. You could have stayed in school. Catherine, how? Yeah. Claire, I would have done anything, Dash. I told you that. I told you a million times to do anything you wanted. Yeah. Ah, oh, that just kills me. Catherine says, what about dad? Someone had to take care of him. Claire, he was ill. He should have been in a full-time professional care situation. So this is, Hmm. you know, this is really a reflection of of her overall perspective on this scenario and that this has been unhealthy for everybody, this arrangement that they've been in. And she's laying it out. Yeah. Yeah. Catherine, he didn't belong in the nut house. Oh, big, big stars around this line for me. The characterization of the nut house and, you know, what we know about, um, about her own genius. Claire, he might have been better off. Okay. So is this a new beat change? Where is the beat change here? Can we talk about that really quickly? I would say we're not in the same beat from Dad is Dead, for Mm -hmm. sure. Mm -hmm. Right? I think it starts to change when they start talking about, where were you? You weren't helping. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then they start talking about, I was working. Well, I Mm -hmm. was here. I was here with him alone. Mm -hmm. And And then they get into what specifically each one of them was doing, Mm -hmm. right? One of them was paying all the bills. The other one was, quote unquote, taking care of dad. Whether or not, you know, Claire thinks that that was appropriate for Catherine to be taking care of her, right? Obviously, Catherine feels like that was the contribution that she needed to make. And so I think that you're getting into that there, each of their contributions and what could have been, right? You had your life, you what happened in that past, the choice that each of them made to make that contribution and how that led to them being in this moment now, right? Whether mm-hmm. they went to school, whether they could have done something else, whether you lived in a, in a small apartment while, you know, that was a sacrifice that she made and giving all this money to the house. And then it changes again once you start to talk about, well, dad was ill. He should have been in a professional care situation. Okay. Let's just clear. Let's just make that clear then. So, yeah. from dad is dead. When's the first beat change? Let's see if we can pin that down. Mm-hmm. So, from dad is dead, down to working. Mm-hmm. 
you were here five you weren't helping then mm-hmm. yeah and then claire is defending herself in this next section right i think that's what the shift is there's the attack by Catherine, and then there's the defense by claire i was working 14 hour days mm-hmm. you could have stayed in school i would have done anything to help you i i yeah. think that's that's the section and then with and then- this you right. could have done a million. You could have done anything you wanted, and then another change. Well, what about Dad? Bringing it back to him. Yeah, right. someone had right. to take so, care of him. Cool. Just out of interest, what constitutes a beat change for you guys? Mm-hmm. How might you define that? You know, I think we talked about this a while ago when we were talking about ob- objectives. Uh, for me, it's. Um, I know there's a number of ways to think about it. In fact, recently, I, I know I used to have a problem with the, the word beats, but actually I've reconsidered it recently and, and found myself more open to using that terminology. Um, for me, it's more that that's, there's, a, there's enough, there's a shift. You can almost feel it sometimes. It's like the wind has shifted. We're on to a new doing Whatever the main doing is of a section, it, when it shifts, something happens to a character, some, a character says something, uh, somebody leaves, a spine is broken, something shifts, and now the main thrust of, the, of that section's action has changed. That's what yeah, it is for me. I define it as when someone changes what they're doing to the other mm-hmm. person, mm-hmm. Uh, which is exactly what you've just said. Yeah. Okay. That. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure... And also, you know, put it out there and, and, and make, make that clear. But, yeah, that sounds about right to me. It's a shift in what someone is doing in relation to what has just happened. Mm-hmm. Cool. And, and I think also being aware of that really helps to keep our actors making vivid action verb choices and specific choices. Yeah. And it keeps, mm-hmm. it keeps the cause and effect alive and apparent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and above water because if you go back to the most basic of Meisner exercises the repetition exercise that mm-hmm. is a cause and effect exercise um, mm-hmm. and in writing that kind of reflects that although yes. in a more expansive way and it's so important to keep that sense because I know there are practitioners out there who throw the beat out with the bath water along with the baby and everything else <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and they're like and I just think there is a you know Sometimes it's instinctive and other times you it's so obviously in the text that it needs to be adhered to. And mm-hmm. I just think it's good to be aware of it. Yes, perhaps things might come more organically than other times, but not every script is as easy as the next. And I just mm-hmm. think it's very important for actors to be mindful of what a beat change is and the significance of it and its utility. Just on that note... To remind everyone that all of this analysis, all of the defining of the beat changes, making sure that the thoughts and the actions are clear, that this is preparatory. And it is something that when you get to the doing of it, if in the middle of having this interaction with your partner, you are thinking, ah, I need to change the beat now or this is a change in beat, you're probably putting your attention in the wrong place. As you define what it is and incorporate it and let the meaning of the beat change seep in with the other meaning of the words that you might be saying and other kinds of as-ifs or the preparation that you might be doing, all of that should be just there as like tools that might bubble up to the surface Mm -hmm. in response to what's happening in the moment. 
So it shouldn't be, ah, I decided two weeks ago when I was prepping this scene that this beat would be there. And so now I'm going to make it happen. Just to make that crystal clear, because a lot of it can depend on what is actually happening in the moment. In regards to your pointing out of the exclamation mark on Claire's line, you could have stayed at school or in school. So mm-hmm. that's an indication that she is getting more emotional, emotional. or having mm-hmm. larger responses to mm-hmm. what Catherine is saying. Mm-hmm. Um, which gives the actor an indication of how meaningful that thought is you had your life, you got to finish school. And yes. the implications of that line of what Catherine is saying to Claire, mm-hmm. basically you were being selfish with mm-hmm. your life mm-hmm. at the at our expense is the indication of it. Mm-hmm. Claire, that makes Claire emotional. You could have stayed in school. I would have done anything for you. Mm-hmm. I, I told you a million times I you could do anything you wanted, right? Mm-hmm. And then what I think is interesting and and could be related to the beat change here is that prior to that moment, we've discussed quite a bit of almost kind of clinical speech by Claire or clinical ways of thought or very analytical ways of thought. And then you come to her line, he was ill, he should have been in a full-time professional care situation, which is lots of syllables. Lots of big syllable words, which again has an indication that she is pulling herself back from the explosion of you could have stayed at school, I would have done anything for you, Mm -hmm. and kind of getting the rational argument back Mm -hmm. in herself. That's what I see in that. Yeah. Which Catherine doesn't go along with, which she says, nuthouse. I actually, can I offer a different perspective on that? Absolutely. I think, and maybe my my clues are the upcoming lines that she has. I think actually once she's been pinched with the, you could have stayed in school, I would have done anything. I think she's she's opening, it's starting to spill out. I, I think to me, the full-time professional care situation, I, and I agree with you, it is a lot of syllables. I, I tend to think it's more that she's had this conversation in New York about her family members, a full-time professional care situation. And I think that's just coming out of Claire because that's how she's been describing it as she talks to people about her family members and what she's going to do or what she should have done. Mm-hmm. I, I, t- I tend to think it's more a reflection of that personally. Then I would say it is her striving for the rational Mm. And she doesn't achieve it, right? She's mm. been opened right. up. She's touched now, and she's striving to get back to that. There you go. I like that. Oh, I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because then, then when we get and to the top of thirty-nine, right? Because she's she's yeah. flying now more, right? He might have been better off, which is like, yeah. Oh, maybe I shouldn't have said that. I know I shouldn't have said it, but I said it. How many arguments have have I ever been in where it's like I say right. that thing, and then the minute I say it, I think I shouldn't have said that. But um, that's what scenes are made up out of. Right. And this is where I'm meant to feel guilty. I know I'm skipping ahead a little bit, but this is where I'm meant to feel guilty. You don't say that if you don't feel a little bit guilty. Oh, she, this is, this is a big old, this is like, this is the sisterly rivalry, right? Sure. Go for it. I'm heartless. My own father. I mean, now it's very personal. It's very personal and attacking. Right. And, and sarcastic. Um, and it, that's why I'm thinking that this has all been, this is all coming 
pinching, rolling out of clear the lava, as you say. There's just a, a quick thing I want to pick up on what you've just both to add to what you've both said, and it's 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 a little thing I do when I'm I'm trying to sharpen actors' critical thinking, and mm-hmm. it's like if you look at what Claire says, he should have been in a full-time professional care situation versus what Catherine said, he didn't belong in the nut house. Both of the way they yeah. refer to yes. um, a hospital mm-hmm. is very mm-hmm. different. And yeah. I would say if you just had those two lines to sum up their characters, then you would be able to do that by the terms they use for mm-hmm. a um, mental hospital. You yes. know, Claire's more formal, full-time professional care situation. And, and that's probably because she's been investigating it, as you say, Andrea. So therefore mm-hmm. she's using the correct terminology. But I think there's something about her that uses that terminology. Yes. And Catherine who is less verbose perhaps and, you know, is like, well, nut house, nut house. You didn't belong in a nut house. And it's like, okay, interesting. And mm-hmm. maybe I'm overthinking it and there is always a danger. But what I'm trying to point out is if you're really forensic and you get the most out of what you've got, then at least you can make a choice about that uh, rather right. than leaving yeah. it into chance. That's exactly think- right. That's very yeah. telling, the way they both phrase the hospital. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but also, what are their opinions about that institution? Right. Right? A full-time professional care situation is a positive thing. A nut house is a negative thing. Right? right. You don't want to send someone to the nut house. There's people that are chained up in that. Right? But to get some full-time professional care, yeah, I would, I would send someone that I loved into full-time professional care. It's professional. It's full-time care. They have an inherent uh, point of view that's Mm -hmm. really contrasted there, right? Right. In terms of whether it's a good or a bad thing, yeah. And you know, everything is a clue. I always say everything, every bloody thing is a clue. Yeah, you wish it to be. So let's let's look up at the top of thirty nine. So this is where I meant to feel guilty, right, Catherine? Sure, go for it, Claire. I'm heartless. My own father. Catherine, he needed to be here in his own house, near the university, near his students, near everything that made him happy. Claire, maybe, Mm. or maybe some real professional care would have done him more good than rattling around in a filthy house with you, capitalized, looking after him. Now we get to it, right? Now the knives come out. And then the writer... It does He doesn't write beat or pause or in parentheses, she rethinks what she says. Just starts a new line and indents it. And it's so pregnant, doesn't it? Just how it looks on the page. It's so pregnant mm-hmm. to me. And then Clara says, I'm sorry, Catherine. It's not your fault. It's my fault for letting you do it. Oh, yeah. Oh, there's so much there. My fault for letting you do so patronizing. Yeah, and there's a lot of a lot of emotional history that just encapsulated in there. Isn't That's it? right. That's right. Catherine says, "I was right to keep him here." Claire, no. Catherine, what about his remission four years ago? He was healthy for almost a year. Now she's really in a defensive stage, right? I've done the right thing, and I kept him healthier than he would have been, and you know. Um, you've mm-hmm. just, you just said that the house I keep is filthy and he's been rattling around yeah. and you've accused me of being an awful caretaker and I've devoted my life to this. It's a it's very hurtful. Yeah. 
So Catherine's now in this defensive position. He was healthy for almost a year. Claire, and then he went right downhill again. Oh boy, she's really going after her. Claire, I mean, Catherine, he might've been worse in a hospital. Claire, and he might, capitalized, have been better, capitalized. Did he ever do any work again? Catherine, no. Claire, no. Capitalized. And you might have been better. Oh, okay. This to me yeah. is a whole, this is a section. And now the you might have been better kicks off to me the next, the next beat. This is, they're really, they're really in this, in this soup here, aren't they? Because Claire, Claire is much more emotionally naked about her perspective here. And she's, and she's just, she's just attacking and sadly keeping, making Catherine responsible for, for her father's declining state. All of that is happening. Mm. But Claire also is making her argument for why she shouldn't stay here. Yeah. Right. In her own way. Mm Mm-hmm. Right? You shouldn't have been looking after him. And uh-huh. we're getting to the crux of that argument. But, mm-hmm. like, you shouldn't have been looking after him. It's my fault for letting you stay here. Mm-hmm. Right? He went yeah. right back downhill again. You were wrong. He might have been better. And he and you might have been better, too. Mm-hmm. So she is building that argument through all of her uh, taking the guilt of maybe not being there or letting this happen, letting this get to this place happen. Because she says, I'm meant to feel guilty. Then she says, I'm sorry, it's my fault for letting you do it. Mm -hmm. And you might have been better too, had I stepped in earlier. I think maybe I'm reading too much into it, but... I think also, this is a a reminder, this section reminds me that for, for the actress playing Claire you really have to make some choices about the love in these, between these two sisters. Cause I've seen this done a number of different ways, um, particularly with the Claire role. And personally, I've been more moved by the actresses who really genuinely experienced everything we're talking about, but also had this sort of pleading desire to truly be helpful underneath and to truly yeah love and take care of her sister underneath. There was so much then emotional conflict and inner conflict. And it made it just, to me, it made the performances uh, richer and more, more touching to me. So uh, there, there's, there's a couple of levels here, aren't there, of, of what's, what's going on and then wh- what it means to you really. And how do you explore that as an actress? Yeah. It, it, I, I totally agree, and I think it's it's the the most interesting way to play it. Uh, rather, otherwise, mm-hmm. it's just a fight and a. Yeah, it doesn't give you anything to fight for. Doesn't give you anything to fight for. But yes. if you were to then right. describe what she's doing because of so the now love, we, as you said, yeah. Prayer, what might you? I mean, I've got a phrase, but but what might you say she's trying to do here or doing? Uh, there is no trying, do or do not. There is no try, just to quote Yoda. <laughs> um, all the greats. All the greats. I'll see if I can bring in a, some renaissance. It's coming through, I don't know. Some psychologist, I'll just drop it all in. I'll see if I can. Um, yeah, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think she's doing then? Because of the love, yes, it's getting heated, but she's not going, I'm going to crush you here. She's fighting for something so what might you i mean yes as you pointed out brian she's pointing out things 
And she's painting a picture, isn't she? Yeah, I, I think, you know, overall there's activity towards, you know, sort of sort of rescuing her from from this right. situation. Although by, by I don't what? know if that's specific enough an action to play. So rescuing her by by doing what? You know, professional care would have done him more good than rattling around in this filthy house with you. Yes, it's capitalized yes. looking after him. So and you're absolutely right. There's this interplay between her feelings, which are getting, you know, more aggravated, but also what mm. she's trying to do, which is coming mm. from the place of love. Those two are battling it out, which gets us yes. into fights and all the rest of it. But professional care would have done him more good than rattling around. He's going, well, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm, put, I'm pointing something out there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what about his remission four years ago? He, might, he went right downhill. He, he might, might have been better, I think is what you're looking for. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. He went right downhill. In the hospital. Pointing out the other side, you know, and he might have been better. That's it. Thank you, Brian. Did he ever do any mm-hmm. work again? She's kind of, she's yeah. asking a lot of questions to try and get her through to her, isn't she? Yes. Painting a picture yes, of what? Really yeah. I mean, this is not a great objective, but getting Catherine, putting Catherine in the father's place and making the argument to say, if you're in professional care, you have a chance of getting better and surviving and not having, and what happened to him won't happen to you rattling around in a filthy house with nobody to look after you. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's what you're going for, Gary. Yeah, yeah. That's what I got. Yeah, it's, you know? You know, it's kind of rescuing her to the reality of what actually yeah. happens. You know? mm-hmm. Open you your know. eyes, Open Catherine. Open your eyes. He might have been better. Did he ever work again? No. No. Do you see? Mm-hmm. And, and that means you might have been better. You know, So mm-hmm. there is some kind of, this is, please take the blinkers off. You're, yes. you're, you're looking at this a bit rose-tinted. This is the reality. Yes sister mm-hmm. yeah but you're right and there's that and, that and that and that has to come from the love if you're if you're which you should <laughs> um then you've got to be trying to get through to her in that sense trying to get her to see something mm-hmm. that she can't see or, or something along those yes. lines and- obviously it's much easier to have a fight without the love and just have the fight and anger mm-hmm. there was a scene that i saw in a class with there was a a woman whose husband had been drinking and had been kicked out of the house or they were about to have a divorce. And the scene is when he comes back to visit the kids and all of her lines are, go away, go away. You're not supposed to be here. Mm. And his lines are something along the lines of, please let, just let me see my kids. Mm -hmm. Right. I'm better. And if the actress playing Yes. The lines go away, go away is really saying to him, go away, go away as subtext or without what we're getting to here. Then there is absolutely no chance for the scene. Mm -hmm. But if what she's really saying to him is, please be reformed, please be someone that I can welcome back into my house. I need you. Mm -hmm. Then you have a scene. Right. Then there's a reason for that scene to exist. If Claire plays this as we're done, basically, then there's no hope for the scene. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or, there's no hope for their relationship. Or if she plays it, the actress playing Claire is just, I hate you. I'm going to. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. For, oh, for sure. Then, then or either it's uh, it's over, it's done, or yeah. I just hate you. 
Right. You know, it's just noise. Right. Yeah. What's the point of the scene then? Exactly. You don't need to carry on, do you? Right. (laughs) It's just, I'm going to leave. So do whatever you want. I'm selling the house. Do whatever you want. Then goodbye. Yeah. 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 She's got to fight for Catherine. That's right. And the other, the other danger I think with a scene like this is for people to just sort of see the character on a, on a external level, you know, the, the more clinical nature of Claire in, in contrast to Catherine and to think, well, she's just sort of more formal and more city and doesn't like to get dirty. And so there's, there's like a professional physical quality too, that actresses tend to key into with this. But if you, if you just keep it there and aren't willing to get underneath that and what that deep need is, it will also ring empty. But you're also denying all of the clues that are exactly on, you know the bottom of page thirty eight and almost all of thirty nine. You're denying right. all of that. That's right, because it's here, and it's much more fun. Yeah, from an actor's perspective, to start with the kind of put together version and be pushed by the situation and by Catherine's lines and by Catherine's journey, mm-hmm. as if you're playing Claire to be pushed by her into revealing Mm -hmm. the love. Right. That's so much more rewarding as an actor than to just stay with the clinical. Yes. Right. Right. So should we take a look at this beat change here in the middle of page 39? Um, Claire has just said he, he might have been better. Did he ever do any work again? No, no capitalized. And you might have been better. Catherine. Now we have a rare for this play, right? We have a rare, um, Stage direction here, keeping her voice under control, says, Mm. better than what? Claire, living here with him didn't do you any good. You said that yourself. And again, this line break. You had so much talent, dot, 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 ellipses. Mm. Catherine, you think I'm like dad. This is an accusation. This is Catherine putting it together, and it's got to be devastating. So this is our new section. Because now we're not talking about dad, we're talking about Catherine. You think I'm like dad. Claire says, very, very uh, diplomatically, I think you have some of his talent and some of his tendency toward dot, 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 instability. Stage direction, beat. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the fact that there is a ellipses, yes, and then the word instability, carefully chosen, yes. I believe, yes, and then yeah. beat. So either side of instability, it's written there is an ellipses, which mm-hmm. those that are wondering what that is, is it's kind, of, it's kind of I know what I want to say, but I'm afraid to say it. Mm-hmm. Set of dots, yeah. yeah. She, so there's a there's a there's a there's a stop of momentum for a moment. All the momentum carries on, but you just stop yourself from saying it. Yeah, and then a beat. So well, a, because she knows it's beat, a loaded word. It's such a loaded it, word in this situation. Uh, she knows it. Absolutely. And that beat is Catherine's, right? That beat is for Catherine to put the final piece of the puzzle into mm-hmm. the into the rest of it. Right. 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 And Claire basically sets the piece down, instability, on the table, not in the puzzle. Claire looks at it, goes, oh, does this piece go here? And so that's Catherine's. I, I love in this section, yeah. as you were pointing out, Andrea, all of the clues that the writer is giving you yeah. that this s- slows down mm. from the heat of... Mm-hmm. From the heat of 
the top of page 39, all of these little clues, the indentations, and you might have been better. Even the stage direction, keeping her voice under control, right? Now, that's a, that's a performance indication. Yes. But also, as you read it, the reading, keeping her voice under control, functions like another indentation. Mm-hmm. Just because it moves the, te- right? You, you're not getting to the line as you read it until later on. Right. So that also breaks up the pace of the reading. Yes. So it's it kind of functions as both. Mm-hmm. There's another indentation. So you had so much talent. And then an ellipses, slowing it down, right? Mm-hmm. Starting to put the pieces together. Another ellipses in before stability, instability, as we talked about, and then a beat. Right. Right? And then... After that, we start to get to dashes, which starts to t- say, cutting, oh, we're speeding yeah, up again. Speeding up, cutting right. each other off. We're sp- now we're, right. right? Right. So not to not to short shrift the, the slow section, but I think that looking at it forensically, it's so clear that this is the calm before the storm. That's this right. is the This is the slow putting together of the pieces. Right. And the rhythm's being jolted. Dictated. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, in Shakespeare, if there is iambic pentameters, de-dum, 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 then the thought process are going swimmingly. Mm-hmm. They are not. You, could, you, you then understand that the thought processes and the psychology of the character mm-hmm. is all over the shop because mm-hmm. the thought yeah. is broken and it's not as flowing and the same is happening here. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's brilliant writing. Yes. Yeah. It's brilliant writing if you're aware of it. <laughs> yeah, if you pick up on it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Otherwise, it just sits there waiting. <laughs> and then, you know, before we move on to the what might be the, the final section here, yeah. the pieces that are being put down are fairly earth-shattering for, yes. for Catherine. Yes. I mean, it, it's really a betrayal of trust, mm-hmm. I think. For Catherine, that piece that she picks up. Absolutely. Right. Devastating. Yeah. Yeah. And Claire knows that it's going to be. Which is why she hasn't been able to say it this whole play. Right. The whole time she she's like, well, I'm leaving. I better finally get to this right. thing, by the way. Yes. Um, this full-time professional care situation. Yeah. Mm, it's big. So Catherine, after the use of the word instability, piecing it together, the puzzle, as you say, Brian says, Claire... In addition to the, in quotes, cute apartments that you've quote unquote scouted for me in New York, would you by any chance also have devoted some of your considerable energies towards scouting out another type of dash? No. Claire, no, capitalized. Catherine Dash, living facility for your bug house little sister. Mm Mm-hmm. Claire, no, absolutely not. That is not what this is about. And so I think, Brian, you know, just quickly to your earlier point about how to approach that as one thought, your considerable energy is towards scouting out another type of living facility no. for your breakfast little sister, right? And Claire's and Claire's yeah, in there. No, over, no. Over the top. Right? Don't, yeah. don't. That's not what this is. Yeah. Catherine, don't lie to me, Claire. I'm smarter than you. Such a powerful line. Says so much about their relationship. Mm. She doesn't pull that often, but she pulls it now. Claire says, the resources, dot, 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 I've investigated, dash. She's cut off. Catherine, oh, my God. Because now it's been confirmed, right? Yeah. 
Claire Dash. If you wanted to capitalize, all I'm saying is the doctors in New York and the people are the best and they fuck you capitalized. Claire, it would be entirely up to you. You wouldn't live anywhere. You can, I hate you. Don't yell, please calm down. So I hate you isn't capitalized, but Claire tells us what Catherine's emotional behavior is, right? Yeah. She's lost it. She's using all of her energy. Fuck you. I hate you. And then capitalized. I hate you. As you say, it's a total betrayal, isn't it? Yeah. And and just going back to, there's a beat there. Mm. If we're talking about the minutiae of stuff, then what's going on there? Don't lie to me, Claire. I'm smarter than you, mm-hmm. Catherine's beat. She's like, actually, okay, I'm coming clean now. Or what the fuck do I, <laughs> what yeah. the fuck do I do now? Or how do I, you know, how, right. How do I make my argument now? Cause mm-hmm. you know, in that beat, you see, is it a yeah. pause? Is it a silence? I mean, yeah. I think he's a good enough writer to write that, but I suppose you could, you know, because there is a difference between a pause and a silence. I mean, I suppose for me, a pause is, I don't know what I want to say, but uh, I know what I want to say, but I don't know how. Mm. And, and maybe there's something like that going on because I'm, the resources, she gets all formal again, doesn't she? The mm. resources, dot, 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 unsure. Yeah. I've investigated. There's a formality yeah. to that. Why is that, do you think? Because she knows that her sister's going to go off, I mean, totally off, and that could be really detrimental to her health. Please calm down. It seems formal to me because it feels like she's trying to put her argument in a way that she feels is going to be received. In, in the best possible way. In the best possible you, way. You, You're absolutely right. You know what, how I, I feel about it? I feel that she is, like, this is the fight. This is the prize fight, and she is on her back. I feel like mm-hmm. she she's down, and she's grasping to get okay. control of the conversation again. She's lost control of it, though, I think. It's, it's, I've, got, I've got resources. I've investigated things. You don't have, the doctors, are the, they're the best you don't have to. You don't have to live here. Please, please calm down. I think the fact that Catherine is just all over her in in these figurative ways. Yeah. I think she's just back up against the wall, and she does not have control here. And it's almost like it. This, please calm down. Please don't yell. It's almost like you know you're hurting my your, my ears and my heart. I'm really trying to help you. I think it's gone horribly awry from how she'd hoped the conversation would go. That's how it feels to me. Well, that's. That I think is very true. That it's gone horribly <laughs> wrong. <laughs> this is not going well. Again, um, again, the rhythm is you know uh, a clue, and you're right, Claire. You could say is either floundering or because she's floundering, she's trying trying to, to keep maintain. on top of it. Yes, and you know what? What is significant for me is going back to what we touched on and Brian um, sort of expanded on was the resources I've investigated. Mm-hmm. For me, again, that is a reminder of how she operates. Yes. And you could just imagine her in a um, business meeting in New York in a massive tower when things, the shit is hitting the fan, she's yeah. resorting to global speak. Mm-hmm. She's 
corporate yeah. speaking. She's caretaking. She, there is a caretaking element to yes. her. And I think she knows that there was a danger this was going to happen, as mm-hmm. we've just said, because, mm-hmm. because of who they are and what she knows about her. And that's why she's taken so long and so delicately to try and get to it. And Catherine is starting to go, but I don't think she goes until, oh my God, the penny drops there. Yeah. And that's when Claire's language shifts into more colloquial, mm-hmm. right? And you start to see the capital letters in, in Claire's line, right? Oh my, she, I've investigated, oh my God, if you want, right? If you wanted to, not to give too much of a line reading on it, but like, and then it starts to spill out. For me, in my reading of it, that's where it starts to all spill out for me is when Catherine starts to interject and to really start to fling her responses at Claire, it's then Claire is much more up against it. Yeah. And in, in my, in my, um, reading of it. I mean, there's a, I mean, there's a steady, there's a steady climb, isn't there? I mean, we're, we're yeah. like there is a big gear shift, but there's, it's a steady climb, but, yeah. but there is definitely what Andrea says is there's a, you know, Claire has been rumbled and, yeah. and, and Claire is doing everything in her power to, to keep abreast of the situation and stay afloat and not drown. Yeah. And it just gets worse. You know, Catherine's fuck yous, I hate yous twice, capitalized. I mean, you know, there's a big indicator of that's the, you know, that's, she's hit that peak. Mm. There is a peak. Yeah. Mm. You want to, you want to talk about a peak, then that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, again, it's, it's a little bit, I mean, it, it's made obvious by the quotes but in Catherine's speech after the instability beat, she's uh, code shifting into Claire language, into Claire speech, mm-hmm. right? Devoted, the, her <laughs> words are becoming longer, mm-hmm. right? More syllables. Devoted considerable energies towards scouting another, right? Considerable energies is almost the same as full-time professional care situation. Mm-hmm. Right. She's taking the piss. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And she is, yeah, aping it or throwing it back in Claire's face, this way of speaking. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, living facility. Mm-hmm. Right. But then shifting back, bug house, little sister. Right. Right. This is what you yeah. think of me. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so exactly. emotional. The sarcasm comes from the emotion, from the upside. Really does. Yeah. yeah. Big time. So, and then... I think, yeah. And then we're I there. Hate I and hate then you. And then Hal enters. And then there's a whole other section that we weren't going to talk about. Now that we've gone all the way through it, and yeah. I know that we're wrapping up this odyssey of, a, of an analysis of, this, of these measly three pages, are there arcs that you might want to look at as, for the scene as a whole based on where we've got to at the I hate you, I hate you? Or no, there might not be. What this has reinforced for me is... Before you make any creative interpretive choices, pay a duty to what's asked for in the writing yes. first. Yeah. I mean, you can get so much. I mean, I don't know, 75, 80% is kind of taken care of. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got a yeah. life, obviously, but I'm talking about choices of how you interpret things. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you, you don't have to put a spin on it because it's, it's pretty clear. And, you know, actors are interpretive artists. They need the ability to understand what's written and how, and, and how they need to play a part in that storytelling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but so it's making, it's just reinforced that for me. 
I think we've covered pretty much everything. Yeah, that's beautifully I said. I, I completely agree with Gary. I think that's that's really the critical point is to do this yeah. work and um, and let that be a, a your strong first strides into into understanding something. Um, for the, for the last two weeks now, so I've talked about my scene class, mm-hmm. and I've started each class by asking the students that I have at the beginning, before we talk about anything else, really, I say, well, okay, you've been handed a script. So what do you do? How do you get into it? How do you start looking at it? And in each group, someone has said, oh, I write a character bio. And now after having done all of this analysis Mm -hmm. on the scene and all of the richness of the relationship and the point of view that's written into the scene and the rhythms that these characters talk in and all of the history to it. I can't imagine reading the scene through maybe quickly and then writing a character bio and then, and then you've made so many choices Mm -hmm. that are not based in what the writing is Mm -hmm. that you, you stuck yourself versus Going through the script the way we have, looking at each particular maybe word or punctuation mark or bit of relationship that comes up line by line. And then if there's something that isn't clear, if there's something that you feel like isn't so meaningful for you or isn't hitting you in a certain way or something, a question that you feel like might be answered by fleshing out the past history in a way that will affect you, then maybe I could see that being a justification for going back and just clarifying that point. But I feel like this way of looking at a a script is so much more useful Mm -hmm. than starting with, okay, I was born in 1980 and I, you know, studied mathematics and what does mathematics mean to me? And that, 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 right. And kind of looking at that, it just seemed, it just, it's just clutter. Yeah. Absolute clutter. It's mm-hmm. academic. It stays in the head. You mm-hmm. can't act it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what, perhaps we should do a episode on this and expand it more and also research because it kind of goes hand in mm. hand. I don't know what you think, yes. but biography, sure. the, the sort of place where we need to put our attention in terms of the work and what we might think is unproductive work and mm-hmm. where it, yeah. your attention yes. needs to go. And I think for me, that's biography is one and also research, which is a double-edged sword. You, you need yeah. certain times, but not in others. And, and you can... Yeah. You can go a little bit too flared with it. You can go a bit 70s with it. You can go too far with it, you know. Yeah. Right, um, right. So maybe Living on the streets. Exactly. Living on the streets with your bell buttons. It's just, you know, <laughs> big, big mustache. And yeah, no. So we've just spent three hours looking at this fairly short scene. Um, and I just wanted to assure everyone that the process does get faster to the point where you can do an analysis of a scene in time to actually do the self-tape that you might need to do, you know, in in 24 hours. But it's definitely worthwhile looking at scenes in this way and to get good at being able to look through and pull out from the writing what is happening in the scene. Yeah, absolutely. It's like anything. It becomes quicker and everything becomes more implied 
the, when you when you n- know all of these little tools and, and and a way of envisioning a text and getting beneath the text it's like anything it's a muscle you get to it quicker and it's you know it's like seeing the matrix you get to see all the ones and the noughts a lot yeah easily <laughs> right great so that's our discussion about scene analysis. It was immensely pleasurable for me. Hopefully it was for those of you who are listening and following along with the text. And we would love to hear your feedback. We'd love for you guys to start a discussion. Uh, you can get to us at Vagabond Actors. That's on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook. And uh, you can like and share and let other actors that you know, or other people who might be interested in all things acting that we talk about here, let them know about the podcast and uh, in- increase our audience base. And we'd love to hear from you. Myself, you can follow me or or read my political views <laughs> lately <laughs> on uh, on Twitter at Brian Casp. And I'm also on Instagram and uh, I have a uh, fan page on Facebook. Uh, what about you, Andrea? Where where can people find you? Oh, they can find me all over the place. I'm uh, on Instagram at Andrea Helene three, and I'm on Twitter at Andrea underscore Helene. There you go. And Gary, where can people get in touch with you? Well, uh, unlike Andrea, where they can find her all over the place, like a true vagabond. <laughs> um, uh, you can really just hone in on me uh, on the Holy Trinity of Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Gary Condes, but you're better off contacting me via my contact page on my website, garycondes.com. And Gary's too modest to say this, but he does regular multi-week courses on uh, scene analysis. And um, what else do you do, Gary? You you have courses that people could actually study this with you. So yeah, where, that, where, where can people do that? Yeah. Thanks, Brian. I, I didn't realize I'd had, I, I, I brought my agent along with me and my, <laughs> my <laughs> I get a cut. I get a cut. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I run courses in scene study, in character work, uh, how to work on a role, casting techniques. So all the major elements, really. My main flagship course is a 12 week intensive, which covers those three. I call it a real world acting intensive, which covers scene study, casting technique, and how to work on a role. Um, but in present day sort of pandemic um, situations, I'm, I've moved online where I'm doing scene study, casting technique, but also character work, but via sort of monologues and also one-to-one coaching in, in any capacity. So yeah. So get in touch with Gary if you want that and, uh, and get in touch with us if you have uh, some feedback to share. We'd love to hear it. And if you have a topic or a question that we can address, get in touch and thank you guys so much for listening. We will uh, look forward to to you joining us next week and uh, and take care. Yeah, thanks very much folks for listening and until the next time. Thanks for joining us.